Hello, everyone. It's July 2022, and I've got a blast from the past for all of you. An episode of music analysis that I did two years ago in 2020. That while pretty much being an episode of Strong Songs was never actually released in the Strong Songs feed. So as many of you probably know, I also have a video game podcast called Triple Click that I make with my co-hosts Maddie Myers and Jason Schreier, and most of the time that show is just us talking about what we think about video games and the video game industry and all kinds of things like that. But as an experiment in 2020, I did a one-off episode for what could have become a recurring segment called "Hey Listen," which is a cheeky Zelda reference that all of you true nerds will get. Just kidding, no, it's a really basic reference that everybody knows. But it was called "Hey Listen," and the idea was that I would do a strong song style analysis of a video game soundtrack or the music from a video game series, and that's what you're about to listen to: the inaugural and, as it turns out, only episode of "Hey Listen," which was. Focused on the music of Final Fantasy VII and in 2020 Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was new at the time and repurposed a lot of the music from the original game in a lot of really cool ways. So yeah, as it turns out, making an episode of Strong Songs or an episode of Hey Listen, it's a lot of work. I didn't really have time to go back to do you know more episodes of Hey Listen. It just didn't quite feel like something I actually had the bandwidth for. It was cool to do that first episode, but since then I've done a couple of video game episodes in the main feed of Strong Songs, and this one episode of Hey Listen, which is basically an episode of Strong Songs about the music of Final Fantasy VII, well, it was over there in the Triple Click feed, and I kind of felt like you know. I know a lot of people listen to both shows, but I'm sure there are people who listen to Strong Songs that never heard that episode about the music of Final Fantasy VII. I'll even occasionally get emails from people to the Strong Songs email saying, "Hey, you should really do an episode about the music of Final Fantasy." And I want to say, "Well, I kind of did. It just wasn't in the Strong Songs feed." So now it is, and you're about to listen to it. So if you've already heard it, I've made a few small edits. You know, I've sort of changed some of the language, cleaned up some of the edits. I have gotten better at making podcasts. Just in the two years since I initially made this, but it's pretty much the same analysis as you listened to in 2020. And if you haven't heard it, well, hey, that's why I'm putting this in the feed for you. So, without further ado, here's my analysis of some of my favorite music from Final Fantasy VII. Hello, everyone. Kirk Hamilton here, and I am very excited to try out this new segment, "Hey, Listen," where I spend the first part of the show nerding out about video game music. Of course, there are a lot of video games whose music I could talk about for this segment for the inaugural "Hey, Listen," but in the end, I'd gotten a lot of emails about a video game that both came out this year and also came out in 1997 with music that a whole lot of people know, and it is music that I love and would love to talk about. So it seemed like a good place to start. What video game soundtrack could I be talking? Talking about what game was released both this year and in 1997? Well, you really only have to hear one collection of four notes placed end to end and played up and down the piano to know what we're going to be talking about. That's right. On this inaugural edition of Hey Listen, we're going to be talking about the music from Final Fantasy VII, composed by none other than the great Nobuo Uematsu. 
Uematsu's score for Final Fantasy VII has been remarkably resilient over the years. It's never really gone away, and so much of it has remained synonymous with the Final Fantasy series, even outside of Final Fantasy VII. But of course, it has returned to the public consciousness in a major way thanks to the very clever reinterpretations and rearrangements in the Final Fantasy VII remake that came out for PlayStation 4 earlier this year. I think that Final Fantasy VII Remake, which came out earlier this year, offers a really interesting opportunity to reevaluate the music from the original in a similar way to the way that the remake itself offers an opportunity to reevaluate the original game, because as much as it is a remake, it is also kind of, you know, a commentary, a continuation. It's more than just a remake. It is its own thing, and it actually has something to say about the original 1997 game. I think that the score to Final Fantasy VII Remake actually works similarly. So what you're hearing here is the prelude from Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is a reinterpretation of the prelude that you already heard, which Nobuo Uematsu wrote actually well before Final Fantasy VII, but which famously accompanies the Final Fantasy VII opening menu. The rearrangements for the remake were handled by a whole bunch of different musicians working for Square Enix. This prelude was rearranged by Yoshitaka Suzuki, and each rearrangement is more complex, often in ways that are pretty interesting. So if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII Remake, don't worry, I'm not going to spill any major beans on the story, just very little things. Um, I do think that this episode will hopefully help you appreciate some of the cool musical stuff that's going on in the remake a little bit more, and I think it'll also help anyone who finished FF7 Remake and wants to go back and play Final Fantasy VII again, which is something that I'm actually planning on doing, um, hear that original music in a new way too, because the Final Fantasy VII Remake is in constant conversation with the original Final Fantasy VII, and similarly, the composers are constantly in conversation with Uimatsu. They're taking his themes, his motifs, his musical ideas in many of the same ways the Final Fantasy VII Remake rearranges and reinterprets the original game. So just take this prelude. This is the music that plays on the menu of the original Final Fantasy VII, and it's beautiful sounding and pretty different from the version of it that plays in Final Fantasy VII Remake. While the original version was just a single synthesizer with some delay on it, the remake takes a synthesizer and adds harps with a bunch of reverb and actually kind of removes the delay and creates a much more spacious, just very different sounding vibe. So then, of course, once that full orchestra comes in, or at least the sound of a full orchestra, it is a significantly different sound than how the original game sounded. This is the original game. And this... is the remake. So now we're back to the original, and the original is using synthesized instruments that create a very different sound from the remake, which uses samples and, you know, a much bigger, more modern sound. 
But where the remake relies on modern technology and production techniques, the original game relies on something maybe more powerful. The listener's imagination. So just like you can't really say that Final Fantasy VII is better than Final Fantasy VII Remake or do some kind of really, you know, boring comparison like that, I'm not going to do something like that with the music. I mean, the Final Fantasy VII Remake music could not exist without the original score to Final Fantasy VII, and I think they're in conversation in a really interesting way, and I hope to tease some of that out for you here and also just give you a better appreciation for just how good Uematsu's original music from Final Fantasy VII was. I do think that concept, though, the concept of the listener's imagination, is crucial for understanding just why the original music is so magic and has stuck with us for so long, and it's also central to my understanding of why the original game resonated like it did and stuck in the public consciousness for so long after, you know, graphics technology and modern video game production techniques greatly outpaced it in a lot of ways, at least in terms of the production. So I want to start with that prelude because the prelude is kind of emblematic of Uematsu's style of composition, he'll write these very simple ideas and turn them into something iconic just with kind of a flick of his wrist. It's pretty cool. And the prelude contains a lot of musical information that actually turns up later in the main theme for Final Fantasy VII, which I also want to talk about. So what I love about this music is how exceptionally simple it is and how it takes a very simple framework and then stretches it out in a beautiful way that turns it into something that sounds iconic even though it's actually built of very basic ingredients. Okay, so we're in the key of C here, which is the most basic key there is. It has no sharps or flats. It's all white keys on the piano in the key of C. And this entire piece of music is built out of one shape. And I would call this a shape because it's just four notes put in a kind of a certain order that feels like a shape when you look at it on the piano. And that shape is this. So that shape, that very simple shape, is actually the entirety of the Final Fantasy prelude motif, which is something that I've always appreciated about it. You play those four notes, and then you just play them again up the octave, and then you do that two more times, and then you just play it in reverse, back down. Could not be more simple, and yet somehow, just because of the way that Uematsu made it sound and the way that he arranged the notes, it sounds pretty distinct. When you hear those four notes put in octaves like that, you think, Final Fantasy. So of course, when I say that it's those four notes over and over again, I am slightly oversimplifying things. The chords do change, the harmony changes, but the shape remains the same. So I mentioned this is in C major, that first figure plays on a C major chord, the next chord is A minor, which is the relative minor, very common chord in the key of C major, and the shape stays the same, it just moves down and instead of starting on C, it starts a little bit lower in the key of A minor. Same shape, some of the same notes, and it creates a sense of motion through the tune as we go from C major to A minor. Not an unusual chord progression on its own, but the way that Uematsu threads those notes through it creates something that sounds distinct. Like a lot of pop songwriters before him, Uematsu spends some time going back and forth between C and A minor before going to two new chords. He goes to an F, which he plays like this. It's pretty cool. And then he plays that same version of the shape over a G chord, which is the 5. He starts on a B, and it sounds like this. 
So basically, he's been doing these little collections of four notes that he then stacks on top of one another in these big ascending and descending scales. And so far, they're going through a very traditional chord progression. He starts on C major, then he goes to A minor, he goes back and forth between those two chords for a minute, then he goes to F major, the four, And then he goes to G major, the five. Now, if you don't know a lot of music theory, I'm using some numbers here and I don't want to freak you out, but I am using these for a reason because they turn up later. They'll be important later. But basically, one, six, four, and five, they all refer to different chords in um, the song. And one, six minor, four, five, those are like the four most common chords ever. They're like parodied at this point. Um, playing that chord progression is so standard, but because of the way that he's arranged it and the way that he's built that pattern over the chord progression, it sounds pretty distinct. Like it doesn't sound like he's just playing through, you know, one of the million pop songs that uses this chord progression on the chorus. Of course, there are two more chords in this piece of music, and they are the magic chords. They're the less usual ones, and they're played in a shape that doesn't match with the shape that he's been playing over those four normal chords, and I think that these two chords are the key to this entire piece. They come at the very end, and I'll call it out when you hear them. Here's what they sound like. So this is that four chord. And five. And then... <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so before I explain what those chords are, just to kind of sum up, we've kind of got four notes on each chord in this piece of music. The whole thing is just groupings of four notes. And we go from the one to the six minor, eventually to the four, to the five. So those are those four chords, those really common chords. The last two chords are flat six major seven and flat seven major seven. Just remember those numbers, they're gonna be important later and they sound so cool. It's so tasty, it's so magic sounding, it's beautiful because he's in this really inside kind of normal chord progression and then he steps outside of it in a very beautiful way. And it kind of just captures something about Final Fantasy and specifically Final Fantasy VII, the way that it's this in some ways mundane setting, you know, like a just a city with industry and all the kind of things you would see in a city. But then there's also magic. And I think those last two chords feel to me at least like an introduction of the magic right before the full ensemble comes in. So basically that walk up is an A flat major 7th to a B flat major 7th to a C, which is actually a fairly common walk up like in pop and rock music. I actually just did a Strong Songs episode about the Super Mario Brothers World 1 1 music, and there is that that's also in C and there is actually an A flat to B flat to C that happens very quickly in that tune as well. It's uh this dude right here. It's not an unheard of chord progression, but when you're in a more vanilla zone, like C major to A minor to F to G, when you go to that A flat major seventh, suddenly it just adds an amount of dissonance and kind of lushness to the sound that really opens things up. And I love the way that it works in this prelude in particular. 
So much great music involves taking familiar elements, common chords, and common chord progressions and knitting them together in a way that sounds distinct. And Uematsu is very, very good at that. As much as he draws on classical music and orchestral traditions, he incorporates a lot of rock and pop and funk and jazz into his soundtracks. And he's not always doing things that haven't been done before harmonically. It's just that he combines them in a way that captures a certain magic that then fits so perfectly with the game that the music is accompanying. I really love this prelude because I think that it sets the whole thing off on a perfect note, so to speak. So let's keep on moving. I really want to talk about the main theme from Final Fantasy VII, which is a crucial piece of music and a very important melody in both Final Fantasy VII and in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I want you to remember those chord numbers 1, 6, 4, and 5, and then also flat 6 and flat 7, because believe it or not, they're all going to be relevant when talking about the main theme from Final Fantasy VII. It'd be tough to make an argument for any of the main themes and character motifs from Final Fantasy VII as the definitive melody of Final Fantasy VII, but there is definitely a strong argument to be made for this melody, which I've always thought of as Cloud's theme, though it is technically called the main theme from Final Fantasy VII. It is a beautiful melody that relies on some very tasty note choices. So I'm going to break down that melody for you, and I actually am also going to draw some interesting connections to the prelude that we already talked about, because Final Fantasy VII is definitely one unified collection of music, and Uematsu was very fond of tying his motifs and chord progressions back to earlier pieces from the game. And there is actually a lot happening in that main theme, in Cloud's theme, that was already happening in the prelude, but we'll get to that in a moment. For starters, I want to talk about one concept that you should understand, and that is a major seventh. So a major 7th is what's called an interval. It's a space between two notes. So if you play an E, which is the key this song is in, play an E, that is the 1. If you play a major 7th above that, you're going to play a D sharp. And that space between those two notes is a major 7th. The reason that it's a 7th is it is the 7th note of the E major scale. So an interval can really be anything. It can be a 2nd, it can be a 4th, it can be a 6th. And it's just the distance between one note and the other note, in this case an E and another note from an E major scale. So I don't want to get too much more into the theory of it all because you don't really need to know that to appreciate why this music is good. But basically, the major 7th is a really nice sounding interval, but it's also a pretty dissonant interval. And that dissonance just kind of has this rub to it. It sounds a little bit, you know, uneven and kind of rough, like it wants to resolve. If you resolve it up to the octave, you can just be playing an octave. That sounds nice and open. That's kind of like if you play a perfect fifth, which is E to B. That's just a nice open sounding interval. Compared to that, the major 7th, much more like kind of sharp sounding, right? Much more dissonant. 
So Final Fantasy VII has a lot of major sevenths. Uematsu is definitely fond of that interval, and he uses it to add this richness and lushness to his melodies in a few really choice places, in particular in this piece of music. So like I said, we're in the key of E, and let's just look at this melody. So I'm going to play the melody totally divorced from the chords, just the melody on its own in the key of E. This is what it sounds like. It's a nice and somehow classic sounding melody. I really dig this melody. And it's totally in the key of E major. This is just notes from an E major scale played back to back. But the way that they fit over the harmony, the chords that move underneath the melody, is kind of what makes them really shine. So if you look at the first phrase of this melody, it's these four notes. And that's actually not that far off from those first four notes that play in the figure during the prelude. There's actually only one note difference. The prelude sounds like this. And the main Final Fantasy VII theme sounds like this. Obviously, the rhythm is totally different, which gives it a very different sound, but it's kind of built around the same notes, which I don't actually think is an accident. So that different note, that fourth note, that's the major seventh in the key of E, and it has that kind of dissonance that adds a lushness to the sound of this melody that wouldn't be there if it was the exact same four notes as the prelude if it went up to the fifth, which is just like a much more neutral sounding note. Or at least it would be if that melody was played just over an E major chord. That would sound like this. Of course, that is not how this piece of music sounds, and that's because the chords change. There isn't just an E major, and it actually goes through a sequence of chords that we already heard in the prelude. So if you remember, the first two chords of the prelude kind of went back and forth between 1 and 6 minor, and the first two chords of Cloud's theme are also 1 and 6 minor. It goes from E major to C sharp minor. You may also remember in the prelude those two magic chords, the ones I told you to remember, the flat 6 and the flat seventh. Well, what should happen in Cloud's theme but the same chord progression? It goes back to E, and then it goes to the flat sixth, to the flat seventh, and then back to E. It's a great melody, and like so many great melodies, it works because of where each note is placed in the chord underneath it. It sounds fine on its own when you play it by itself, but when you put the chords underneath it, everything kind of locks in place, and the specificity of the melody really is driven home. So what would have been a regular major seventh in an E chord becomes a ninth in that C sharp minor. What would have been a fifth, just a kind of boring sounding fifth in the key of E, becomes a major seventh when you go down to a C chord. And not only are those chords really bringing out the best attributes of the melody, they're also echoing the chords that were already established in the prelude, tying Final Fantasy VII's soundtrack together in one of very many cool ways.
When it came out this year, Final Fantasy VII Remake took a lot of Uematsu's original themes and rearranged them, reorchestrated them, and brought them into the 21st century in ways that are pretty effective a lot of the time and especially work in the context of a remake, even if I actually think that the original tracks totally stand on their own. I think that's by design and it's kind of true of Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy VII itself. So I mentioned imagination earlier and I want to kind of expound on that a little bit now. The magic to me of Final Fantasy VII has always been the way that the game had this kind of significant gulf between what you were seeing on the screen and what you were imagining in your mind. The character portraits and the high-res parts of the game let you see what this should look like and what the movie version of it would look like, but the game itself never really looked like that, and so as a result, the game kind of lived in the player's imagination in a way that gave it a level of magic that just could never be captured or recreated on a screen, no matter how talented the artists and the animators, because it's the power of imagination. I mean, it's just the magic of whatever you picture in your mind as what Midgar would really look like. I think that's true of the soundtrack as well. A lot of Uematsu's music sounds like an orchestra. You can kind of hear what it would sound like, but it's not an orchestra. It's synthesized instruments. And that's actually also true when it sounds like a rock band, but it isn't a rock band. This is one of my favorite tracks from Final Fantasy VII, the boss fight music that's typically called Fight On. And it rules so hard, even though it doesn't really sound like a real rock band. <laughs> oh man, I really love this track. I love the clarity of the bass. Next time you're listening to that track, just really listen to the bass. Focus on those bass lines and what the bass is playing because there's some really killer bass lines in there. A few years after Final Fantasy VII came out in 2002, Uematsu actually started his own band in which he played keyboards um, with a couple of other Final Fantasy composers called the Black Mages, and they never really quite toured as a band, but they did some pretty cool performances, and in this track you can hear what an affinity he has for that kind of prog rock style. And while the Black Mages recorded a lot of different music, you knew they had to do their own version of this music as well. They call it Those Who Fight Further, and it's uh, pretty great. So that version with real instruments is kind of what we had to imagine when we were playing Final Fantasy VII because it just didn't sound like that. It sounded like synthesized instruments. So there's just this great thrill when you're playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and you get to the Airbuster fight and what music should come on but a full-throated, real instrument, ripping version of Fight On that sounds like everything you ever imagined when you heard that music back in 1997 or whenever you first played Final Fantasy VII. This rearrangement is credited to Tadayoshi Makino and it goes beyond the prog rock band thing and turns into this whole prog orchestra thing. I mean, if you're going to get hyped up for a boss fight, I don't know of any music that could get you more hyped up than this. <laughs> so 
Obviously that rules, but I think that that rules for a very specific reason. It rules because it's taking something that we imagined for so long and turning it into this totally bodacious, ridiculous, fully-fledged version of it. Like, that recording would rule on its own. I mean, it rocks super hard, but it rules way harder because it's existed in our imaginations for so long, and now we finally get to hear it that way. And there have been a lot of bands that have recorded Fight On, including the Black Mages, and that Black Mages version is great, but there's something special about having it play in a Final Fantasy game. I mean, seeing Cloud whip out his Buster Sword alongside Tifa and Barrett while that guitar riff comes in... That's a very special thing, and that's something that Final Fantasy VII Remake does exceptionally well. I think that all of the composers who worked on this did a fantastic job. Because, like I said, Final Fantasy VII Remake isn't just a straight-up remake, even though it has remake in the title kind of a reinterpretation and the music is approached very similarly, sometimes that means taking an existing theme from the original game and rearranging it or even mixing it with other motifs in some pretty cool ways that are very creative and kind of just as creative as other parts of Final Fantasy VII Remake are with the story, but other times it means playing it really straight and just giving people a rich, lush reinterpretation of a tune that they already know. I would say that is certainly true of the first time that you hear Cloud's theme in full. This was rearranged arranged by Shotaro Shima, and it's played in this grandiose way that really sounds like pomp and circumstance or something. I mean, it sounds like this big homecoming because it really is for so many players. You're walking out as Cloud, you're in the Undercity, you have like full control for the first time, and you're just kind of marveling at what this looks like. I mean, holy cow, look up there. It's like the saucer of the upper city above me, and I'm just walking around in this fully realized version of Midgar. So what else should be playing on the soundtrack but a straightforward, beautifully realized version of Cloud's theme. And even with the new richer orchestration, the bigger sounds, the real sounding instruments, and the new counter melodies that they're adding, it's still that fundamental melody and those fundamental chords that we talked about that make it so strong and then make it land the way that it does. This is it. This musical moment, this is when the game brings you home. In a lot of pretty profound and surprising ways, Final Fantasy VII Remake was actually concerned with re-evaluating and rewriting the legacy of Final Fantasy VII, but sometimes you just gotta give the people what they want, and when it comes to the music, the composers knew that at this moment, it was time for something straightforward. that's not always the case. Cloud's theme, that collection of notes, just that little melodic motif, is everywhere in Final Fantasy VII Remake, more so than in the original game. If you play through this again, if you've already played it, or if you're going to play it, keep an ear out for it. You'll hear it all over the place. I mean, variations of it, minor key versions, dark versions, bright versions, callbacks, 
I mean, it's just a constant thing, and it's really fun to listen for because it's woven so thoroughly throughout the game. There is, however, another character motif that's arguably even more important for Final Fantasy VII and for the remake, and it is the most beautiful piece of music, at least to me. It's my favorite piece of music from Final Fantasy VII, and we gotta talk about it, so let's get into it. Okay, so that prelude, that was built out of four notes, right? These four notes. And Cloud's theme was built out of five notes, these five notes. The final theme that we're going to be talking about on Hey Listen has six notes. Three going up, and three coming back down. I mean, I couldn't do a discussion of Final Fantasy VII music without talking about Aerith's theme. Aerith's theme is so important to Final Fantasy VII, partly because Aerith herself is such an important character, also because the music accompanies some of the most impactful and meaningful moments in the original game, and also because it's just a gorgeous piece of music. So while there's a lot of beautiful stuff going on throughout the entire piece, for me, Aerith's theme is defined by those first six notes and the two chords that accompany them. I think it's a really beautiful motif. It's so simple, just like a lot of Uematsu's music, but it's so instantly iconic. Three notes up. Three notes down. Perfect. So those six notes actually perfectly outline the first two chords of the song. The first two chords of the song are D major and A minor, and the first three notes are just a D major arpeggio going up to D, and then the second three notes are just an A minor arpeggio going from C to A to E. Now this piece is in D major, which means that those first two chords are one major to five minor. Now this is actually a chord progression that I just recently talked about on Strong Songs. I did an episode on Sufjan Stevens' song Chicago, which also heavily relies on one major to five minor. It's a beautiful, evocative sound, and I think it's a huge part of why Aerith's theme is so enchanting and instantly grabs you. Another really famous example of one to five minor is actually in Coldplay's hit song Clocks, the first two chords of that song, also one to five minor. So 1 to 5 minor is a sound that a lot of composers know will get you that ethereal sound that is very appropriate for Aerith for a lot of reasons. It's a great theme on its own and definitely one of the greatest video game melodies ever written, but I really like what the composers do with it in the remake. Something that Maddie and I actually talked about back on the Beanscast on various other episodes where we talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake was the fact that neither of us actually loved Aerith as a character in the original Final Fantasy VII. She's just not very fleshed out, and while that's true of a lot of Final Fantasy VII and your imagination has to do heavy lifting, it really has to do some heavy lifting with Aerith to get you to care as much about her as you're supposed to. Fortunately, that music really helps. I mean, the music is basically Aerith's character to me, at least until I played Remake and I met this new version of Aerith. 
So Cloud has met Aerith a few times before he really has his first meaningful interaction with her, and she already just seems like more of a person. It's partly the performance, the animations, the extra writing, how much more fleshed out it all is, but you just get a sense of her as this playful person with a whole inner life who exists on her own and has her own challenges that are actually going to go on to be really important parts of the game. And as Cloud gets to know her, he follows her home, and you get to see where she lives, and it's this beautiful corner of Midgar. It's greener than anything you've seen in the game, and you know where this is going, you know so much about Aerith because you've already played Final Fantasy VII, and that's when they introduce this version of her theme that's so much more elaborate, it doesn't even really play the main theme, it hints at it and you'll hear various instruments in the ensemble piping up with different parts of that six note motif, all carefully rearranged by Yoshinori Nakamura, but it doesn't fully arrive for quite some time. You see her home and her things, you get this sense of her and this place that she lives, and then the theme finally comes in. It feels so rich and drawn out. With new ideas. For a new take on a beloved character. Listeners, let me tell you, the first time I heard this, as I walked around Aerith's house, it kind of wrecked me. of amazing moments in Final Fantasy VII Remake, but this moment, going home with Aerith and hearing this version, Nakamura's rearrangement of Uematsu's original theme, I this was just an unbelievably beautiful moment for me. I was not expecting it to hit me as hard as it did, and it was entirely because of the music that it had that effect. Final Fantasy VII Remake would have been totally fine if it had just straight up remade the Midgard chapters of Final Fantasy VII, and the music would have been fine if it had just been these fleshed out orchestral versions of the original music, but by doing more, it's just so much more special. All of these composers that Square Enix brought in to reimagine and rearrange this music did more than just flesh it out. They created all these interesting stories, just musical stories that they're telling through the sounds that play as you're playing the game. Sometimes that's as simple as a more elaborate version of Aerith's theme that really beautifully reflects how she's a much more elaborate character in the remake. Other times they're cleverly mixing motifs to explain what's going on using music. In a really important scene in the game, Aerith and Cloud are having a conversation and the music in the background is taking Cloud's theme and Aerith's theme and interweaving them in this gorgeous way. You hear it? I mean, that is pretty cool. Final Fantasy VII Remake is so much more than just a remake, and that makes it so much more interesting than it would have been otherwise. I know it had faults, I know there are things we can complain about, I know we don't know when the next one is coming out, but I can't help but love this game, and the music is at the heart of why. 
I loved Final Fantasy VII Remake because I love Final Fantasy VII, and I love Final Fantasy VII because of the music. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you liked this first edition of Hey Listen. I certainly had a good time making it. It was also a useful reminder to me that for all the things I love about video games, I'll always love the music most. That'll do it for my analysis of the beautiful music of Final Fantasy VII, originally recorded and aired in 2020 and bumped up into the feed here in 2022 for any of you who might have missed it. Whether this was your first time listening or you'd heard it before and you just decided to re-listen, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really fun going back and listening to it just because that music is so beautiful. And actually, since I recorded this, we've learned that there's going to be a trilogy of Final Fantasy VII remakes, or more accurately, that there's just a new trilogy set in the world of Final Fantasy VII because I was right. I wasn't the only one saying this, but I definitely said this, I think maybe on our bonus episode of Triple Click about this, that remake wasn't just referring to the fact that the game was a remake of Final Fantasy VII, but rather it was a subtitle, and this game is actually kind of a sequel, which is true. And there are two more games coming. The next chapter is called Rebirth, which is very exciting for anyone who's a fan of Final Fantasy VII. Anyway, nerdery complete. I really hope that you enjoyed this and that you're all having a good July. I'll have another little something for you all in two weeks in the main feed that some of you might not have heard. But until then, I hope you're all taking care, listening closely, and remembering to practice with a metronome.